0: Learn more at marines.com. What is going on this is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Sunday morning. One day after the Los Angeles Clippers stun the Boston Celtics in Boston, getting some revenge after getting slapped around the first time these two teams played. It is a good day in Clipperland. I'm your host, Brandon Marcus, alongside my co-host, Matt Mattawarren, back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend?
1: Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? Myself, I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm in a great place for a number of reasons— not the least of which is the Clippers are coming off that remarkable back-to-back cross-country win. Uh, two countries, two nights, two big wins, especially last night against the Celtics. Let's go.
0: Let's go indeed. And you and I mentioned that we will certainly take 5-2 and two on this road trip. And that is seeming more and more attainable after starting 2-0. and We mentioned how the first game against Toronto was basically a must-win. You were a big favorite against a Toronto team that didn't have Quickly, didn't have Jakob Pertl. And the Clippers took care of business in that game. And then we said, all right, it's probably going to be a schedule loss. Because just to give you an idea of how the schedule works and how the travel works, so that game ended in Toronto, I would assume somewhere around 10 o'clock. By the time these players end up showering, talk to the media, and then get on the bus and head back to the airport, I would assume that they probably didn't leave Toronto until about 12 o'clock. And then by the time they get to Boston, by the time they unload the plane, by the time they get to the hotel, and by the time they finally get to sleep, goodness gracious, it could be two thirty, three 3 o'clock in the morning, and then all of a sudden you got to play that next day against a Boston team that has been home and had the day off the day before. So to go in and slap Boston around like the way they did was incredibly impressive, Matt
1: hundred percent. I mean, and, and you know, it was funny. I was I watched a little bit of the uh, Celtics broadcast just because of streaming and all this kind of stuff. But um, Brian Scalabrini was mentioning about how the Clippers were, they looked like they were in mud uh, last time on December, December 23rd when the Celtics shellacked the Clippers. Um, and he was saying travel actually had a lot to do with that game because they weren't coming off a of back-to-back like they were in this previous game, but they did just play Oklahoma City. In a really tough game, and a really tough OKC team, and then that Boston game was an afternoon game, if you remember, mm-hmm. at home, but still an afternoon game. So travel does, it does affect these players uh, greatly, and to see what they did yesterday after, like you said, traveling from Canada to Boston was, I mean, it was a sight to be seen, and it was, it was just a thing of all-around beauty, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that OKC to Boston turnaround, and that was a three-game road trip where the Clippers played at Indiana, at Dallas, and at OKC. That was three games in four nights, and then they have, obviously, the travel back. They probably didn't get back until late on um, Friday morning. I mean, goodness gracious, who knows it? I'm assuming they left Thursday night. If they didn't leave Thursday night, they left Friday morning. Either way, and then you turn around, you play that matinee on Saturday, and you lose 145 to 108, and in that game... Just to give you some numbers, the Clippers allow Boston to shoot 52%, 47% from three, 25 of 53 from downtown. So they shoot an incredible 47%, make 25 threes in that game. Yesterday, they didn't even reach 100 points, and from three-point range, they shot 25%, 10 for 40 So a big drop-off from three-point range, and that can happen for a team that shoots a lot of threes. I mean, the Celtics took 53 in the first meeting, 40 this time around, just didn't shoot it very well. Clearly, they were missing Porzingis, but the Clippers were missing Zoo, and Boston shot 36%. So overall, an unbelievable win. And we're going to break it all down, and of course... A shout out to our friends over at the Believe Network, happy to be partnering with them as we have the Grizzlies podcast, we have the Kings podcast, we have Fantasy NBA today, Fantasy MLB today, lots of podcasts joining, of course, the EuroLeague pod as well, joining the Believe Network from the ethos side of things, so happy to be with them, and of course, if you give us that five-star rating, or review the podcast as well, it does help us as we continue to grow. All right, I want to start with this before we get into the actual kind of weeds of this game against the Celtics, and we'll mention the Raptors game here and there as well. So we have been a podcast that has been a little bit negative at times, and we're now seeing in the national media that when the Clippers win a game like they did against the Boston Celtics, we're getting, we've talked about this, but we're getting a lot of, all right, let's see it in the playoffs. Let's see it in May. Let's see it in June. And we have said that in this podcast. We've said this numerous times on this podcast. And I have been a victim of being one of those people that has not been embracing the moment and has not really looked at the big picture and acknowledged that, hey, you need to win these regular season games in order to have a shot in May and June. And Adam Osland mentioned earlier that I think he said only one team that was not in the top three ended up winning the championship so winning in the regular season is important so I get all these people that say hey you know the injuries who knows but as a society we continue to devalue people and teams and try and break them down and not just live in the moment and give credit when it is due and I feel like that's what's happening right now with the Clippers this is a team that has won five in a row they've been unbelievable with Kawhi Leonard in the lineup I think the Clippers need to really get some recognition and they deserve the flowers that they've been receiving. Forget the playoff talk. When we get there, that's when we can analyze and break things down. But right now, the Clippers deserve the praise and none of this nonsense that we continue to see from the national media of, hey, let's see it in May and June. I get it's all about the title, but can we please just stop being that negative mindset and just try and rip people down and not give them the credit they're due in the moment and that is my rant to start this podcast how do you respond
1: it's so interesting that you say that and i I think i think it was beautifully put uh loved everything you said you know uh before we went on uh we went on air i was talking to you about how my wife and i are starting our baby registry and all this all that good stuff and one thing that i've been learning throughout um this whole pregnancy my wife being pregnant um and The baby to come, and you know that comes with a lot of anxiousness and nervousness and whatnot. But one thing that's really been ingrained in me, and I'm learning, and I continue to learn, is to be present and to be in the moment for her, for the baby, for us. And so, being in the moment and just appreciating what you have in that moment right now, I think, is a huge part of life, and it's something that we tend to forget and to not embrace. We look to the future. We try to find the negatives. We 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 get nervous, we get scared. I mean, even yesterday, look, I tweeted out uh, the Clippers were up by thirty, and I said uh, at, the, at the half or however however much they were up by the half, and I said, why am I nervous? Why don't why don't I feel good about this? You know, and it was just like a gut reaction mm-hmm. when I should have been like, this is a great game, I should be enjoying it. So to be present, to be in the moment, and to not just nitpick and you know talk about the negatives and look to the future, it doesn't count, doesn't matter right now. Let's talk about this, that, and the other. Let's be present, folks. Let's understand that this is a great run a great team. And you're right. We should be very happy where we sit right now.
0: And we're in a really good spot, man. It doesn't happen very often where you see a team that you've rooted for, for ages and ages, that has not been good for a long time, do as well as they have in the last decade plus. And now you're at a spot where, hey, a title is actually within reach. And listen, the words that I'm saying, There are going to be times we're going to come on this podcast and we're going to be negative because we expect better things from this team. Because look what they're showing right now. We expect better. We now have these aspirations to win the title. So when you hear us, who knows how long it's going to be ahead. When we're negative, it's – listen, fanatic is the long word for fan. There's a reason why people are crazy that are fans because they – really go through the roller coaster of emotions when it comes to a team. And right now we expect this team to win, and they're showing us why they are a title contender. And you and I have been talking about this for a while. You brought up Kawhi Leonard for MVP several weeks ago, and now I think it's getting a little more and more on the radar of other people. Kawhi misses out on making the All-Star team as a starter, which is absolutely absurd. But you look at where the Clippers are, man, and they're in a really good spot, and we have to be happy as fans.
1: The Clippers, the Clippers currently, at uh, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Sunday morning, sit in the third spot in the West. That is a far cry from even earlier in the season when they were struggling. And But but think about seasons past, like last season, when we were like, we've got to avoid the plane. Can't make that plane game. Mm-hmm. They probably will be in the plane. we got to fight in tooth and nail to get out of the plane. So. It is quite a different experience, and there is a myriad of reasons of why that is, uh, not the least of which is Kawhi, who I still think, yes, should be rising in that MVP ladder, Um, and if, you know, maybe maybe, uh, Joel doesn't play 65 and he gets it by default, whatever. He deserves to be squarely in that conversation, deserves to be an all-star all-star starter, but that's that doesn't really bug me too much. That's it's fan voting and all that kind of all that stuff. It's it's just an entertainment spectacle. But he does deserve to be there. Paul George certainly deserves to be there and one could argue that James Harden has a case to be in the All-Star game as well. Be that as it may, the Clippers are in such a great spot right now playing so well in it. and these last two games Friday Saturday this back-to-back just proves it. Even more than we thought before. So we we have to be... We uh, Yes, we, we will come on here and be negative at times because we do have these expectations and a deep love for the team. So we feel hurt. And we feel hurt when the Clippers uh, don't play up to what we know is their capabilities.
0: Exactly. And we're also responding each game. I mean, it's we're coming in and we're doing a podcast and we're responding to the game prior. And so if they lose, then we're going to try and break down why they lost and we'll be a little upset at certain things. Like if a rotation that we don't like occurs, then we'll talk about that. Or if someone plays poorly, then we'll be like, Hey, why are they playing poorly? But at the grand scheme of things so far, Harden's been really good. He's had some bad shooting games, but he's been really good. PG will have some bad halves, but he's been really good. Kawhi has been unbelievable. I mean, we got to give credit to these dudes that have been overall fantastic. And, you and I have mentioned this regular season thing, and we talk about how important it is to get a top three seed because then you'll have a better chance of making it further in the postseason. And the regular season clearly matters for this team. You, you and I talked about this via text. We expected Paul George to sit in that game against Toronto. And you and I talked about in the last podcast that we thought that maybe that would occur. You said it's a back-to-back. You wouldn't be surprised to see PG sit one of them. And I said, yeah, that's probably a great point. He probably should have sat against Toronto and played against Boston. Instead, he plays through this little groin niggle And they win against Toronto. He's questionable going into the Boston game. And he plays through it as well. And Ty Lue said, I wasn't sure if he's going to play against Boston. So this is one of those things where for him to say that means that we're really taking it game by game and seeing how he feels. And last year, there's no way that PG plays both those games. No way. And and now this team really has the mindset where every single game matters because every win matters. And they could have easily taken the loss yesterday. And sat Kawhi, sat PG based on what they did last year, but that doesn't happen this year. That's not how they operate, and it's really good to see.
1: And it and it brings up an interesting point because uh, so a, a a lot of national narrative people are like, well, Miami, forget about the regular season. We'll we'll see what they do in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that's earned, right? They have taken themselves very seriously in the playoffs. And what I think the Clippers are doing now is earning. Not the same, but a similar respect in that they are taking every game seriously. And that earned respect, which we, and that earned uh, focus and drive and commitment and earned expectations. Because, like we said in the past, these lofty expectations that were unearned c- kind of did us in as fans, did the Clippers in as a team in, in, some, in some respects. But now the Clippers, each game that they play hard, that Paul George does play in a back to back, even though he's dinged up. Now the Clippers are earning these expectations, earning this respect. Um, and I think that is that only leads to other good things, at least to great morale. Uh, it leads to a, a culture to to hearken back to the Heat. So while people may say the Heat don't have to take the regular season seriously, that's because they've shown it and they've earned it in the playoffs. And I believe the Clippers are earning not the same, like I said, but a similar sort of respect and around the league, around the media, and just around fans of the NBA in general.
0: Yeah. And I mean, last year I said that they certainly have been acting entitled at the start of the season. I said they've been acting entitled. They think they deserve to get to the playoffs and they can just run through teams. And we've seen that hasn't been the case. And now they're not acting entitled. They're acting as if, hey, we need to earn each win. And it's an awesome sight to see for us fans. And it it continues to look great. So let's go into this Boston game. Um, the Clippers just absolutely destroyed them. I mean, I mean to go in to Boston to win 115 to 96. I mean to win by 19 in Boston. I mean they absolutely slaughtered the Celtics. Held them to just 96 points, and there are a bunch of different stats that came out of the game, this game, that I'll use throughout this podcast. And a lot of good people that have meant to, tweeted some good stuff. So let's talk first about the defense because we haven't talked about the defense a ton. And Brian Seaman mentioned that the cause for concern has certainly been the defense. And people have said, well, they're sitting in the middle of the pack. And he said, you take away a couple of really poor games against the Thunder and against Boston, and all of a sudden it looks a lot better than what it was. And we're still concerned a little bit. And people were mentioning, hey, the defense, the defense, the defense, and no Zoo. And you and I talked on here, and we said, the defense is going to be key. How are they going to play defensively without Zoo? Because losing him is huge. Well, all they did was held hold the Celtics under 100 points. 96 points. That is absolutely unbelievable. Law Murray. Clippers became the first road team this season to hold the Celtics under a hundred points in Boston. The Celtics shot a season worst 36% from the fields. They missed 30 of their 43s. By the way, the Clippers also missed 30 of their 43. So the defense just absolutely spectacular. Look at that 21 nothing run where the Clippers held the Celtics uh, quiet for six and a half minutes without any points. The Clippers had zero turnovers, zero attempted threes. Just unbelievable to see that occur. So the Celtics, by the way, 0 for 12 from the field during that, 0 for 4 from 3. No free throw attempts, which is huge because we've seen the Clippers foul a couple of times. Three turnovers as well for the Celtics. They failed to score after four offensive rebounds. So the defense, man, we were worried about it. And they showed yesterday that the Clippers, when they want to defend, they can.
1: You know, Brandon, Boston, uh, among amongst many things, is known for beans. Before I get into it, I'm going to need a shot of espresso. Let's take a quick break, and then I'm on to talk more about this game. Okay, coming back, the defense against the Celtics was phenomenal. These guys were on a string. You talk about holding the Celtics to under 100 points. Brandon, it was 60 points in the first three quarters. Yeah. Okay, just let let that sink in. A lot of those points happened in garbage time. I mean, the entire fourth quarter essentially was garbage time. So Boston couldn't get anything going, and it has to do with focus. I mean, look at this. Jason Tatum right? He's another guy that people kind of throw in the MVP conversation. He was a minus 32, 8 for 18. I mean, you know, he had 11 boards, but that just goes to show that the Clippers don't have Zoom. But the defense was just absolutely incredible uh, throughout, and you talk about beating the Celtics at home, even even holding them under under 100, fine, but only two teams so far, I believe, have beat the Celtics uh, in the garden, and that would be the Clippers and the Nuggets, who many believed to be the favorite in the West. So it is no small feat, even, even beating the Celtics at all at home, but to, to come in, I, I know they were missing uh, Porzingis, but to come in and play that kind of defense. And like you said, they, the Clippers themselves were only 10 of 40 from three point land. So it's not as if they were just lighting it up from downtown, but they did what they needed to do on the defensive end. The, the Celtics just could not get anything going. Everybody was incredibly frustrated, Derek White, Jalen Brown. I mean, these guys who maybe all-stars themselves just could not get it going. And it was because of the swarming defense of not only the starting five, but Tice got in there. Westbrook was mixing it up, as always. Uh, it was just what a what a stellar performance. And that's not to say that the Clippers won't have defense, defensive struggles moving forward. I mean, maybe even in this next game when we see a guy like Jared Allen, who knows, and a guy like Don Mitchell uh, when we play the Cavs tomorrow on Monday. But Against the Celtics, it was textbook beyond textbook. It was just it was pure joy to watch that that defense. And then, of course, you know, defense it bleeds into good defense creates good offense. Mm-hmm. So that's a way that the Clippers were able to just manhandle the Celtics yesterday.
0: You know, what's funny, by the way, is that we've mentioned Porzingis a couple of different times already on this podcast. Porzingis wasn't around in that first matchup. I mean, when the Celtics won one forty five to one hundred eight, Porzingis missed that one as well. And so it, it's not like all of a sudden because they didn't have Porzingis, all of a sudden they can't do anything offensively. I mean, they were at home this game as opposed to being on the road last game. Didn't have Porzingis either game. Obviously, the Clippers were on a second night of a back-to-back. So they technically should have had the advantage in that game at home where they were 20-1 and previously. The Clippers were on a second night of a back-to-back. They still didn't have Porzingis from the first matchup. And the Clippers didn't have Zoo. But for them to lose the way they did shows the Clippers defense stepped up. And just look at the first quarter. I mean, Paul George questionable coming in. Jalen Brown attacks the hoop. Misses because of PG's defense. Then he goes back up with it and misses again. And, PG with great defense on both plays. And we've talked about PG defensively because we know Kawhi's outstanding. I mean, there are a couple of different plays that occurred yesterday where he rotated and he's just been absolutely tremendous. I mean, we saw even against SGA that that block that he had was unbelievable. His defense is unquestionably one of the main traits of why he is a MVP candidate. I mean, the offense obviously has been outstanding. But the defense has been incredible as well. And even yesterday, he had a couple of blocks and a couple of steals. But Paul George with a couple of steals yesterday and didn't get any blocks. But both of those plays on Jalen Brown, he contested. And just good rotations all around. There was a play that Justin Wilson um, tweeted a couple of minutes ago, actually, where you could see – the rotation and Russ was able to come over and help out when Mace showed at the top of the key to doesn't deny a drive. And with Russ rotating perfectly in time, it allowed Mace to come back and get there in time after Russ had a little bit of a hesitation for the offensive player. He forced the hesitation rather. And then Mace was able to get back and defend. And so that team, when they're really connecting and playing as one and they're, they have that great chemistry, they can show how good they can be defensively and with Plumlee getting more and more accustomed to playing with Kawhi, PG, Harden, and Mann, you're going to see it more and more. So I think yesterday was a good confidence win for the Clippers and especially show that they can defend when they want to.
1: Absolutely. Um, and one thing, speaking of, well, speaking of Plumlee, but moving it to to Tice, one thing that I was noticing, I mean, his the plus minus for Daniel Tice doesn't really tell the story because he was out there a lot of that garbage time. Yeah. When uh, when the Celtics were were putting up some points, so it doesn't really tell the story of his game. But I thought he was integral. I mean, he was eight of nine from the field. He he looked very. And this is going to be a you know him and Amir Coffey when they were out there with the other guys with the Bones with the Boston uh, Brandon Boston Juniors with the with the Kobe Browns of the world. Amir Coffey and Daniel Tys they stood out like like no other. Like you could tell these guys are rotation real rotation players for the Clippers. Daniel Ta just looked like a professional basketball player yesterday getting the getting the job done, being in the right spots. I thought he was one of the standouts to me, even though the plus minus I like I said wouldn't show it. He was great. And then Amir coffee, you know, just he didn't do all that much, but he showed um he showed that confidence that we were talking about, mm-hmm. the readiness to play and that he of of everybody because the bench basically got cleared yesterday uh, except for pajamas Tucker because he may never see the floor again.
0: <laughs> Pajamas.
1: But other than, but other than that, uh, shout out to Q for that one. Uh, but other than that, uh, coffee and Tice, they just looked like, yes, yes these are the rotation players. So it's just something that stood out to me and I wanted to mention.
0: I'm glad you did, because here's another number for you, courtesy of our friend Tomara Zarley, who crunched the numbers. And frankly, anybody could have checked this out in the box square, but he did it for us. In his return to Boston, Daniel Tice, 18 points. Okay. He had more points than these four players combined. Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Derek White, Al Horford. Daniel Tice with more points combined than Brown, Holiday, White, and Horford. Those guys combined for 17 points. Listen, some of that was in garbage time. But nonetheless, it showed you how good the Clippers defense was. To quiet dudes, I mean, Derek White was unreal the first matchup. I mean, he was hitting shots left and right, he ended up go- going into double figures, he had 18 points, Drew Holiday had 20 points in that game, Jalen Brown had 24 points in that game, Tatum was awesome as well, and Horford had 6 points in that contest as well. So clearly, the Clippers' starters were the ones that need to set the tempo, because Boston's got a mediocre bench, I mean, their bench is not that great, especially with Porzingis out, and you have to play Al Horford in the starting lineup, their bench isn't that good, but they're starting lineup is incredible. So if your starting lineup is able to beat their starting lineup, then you're really going to have an edge. And that was the case yesterday for the Clippers. You look at the plus minus James Harden, a plus 36 in 27 minutes. And you would have thought, man, damn, Harden must've had another triple double. Damn. He must've had 30 points. Nope. He was two of 11. Oh, for six from three. Harden was two for 11 in 27 minutes. And the Clippers were a plus 36. Shows you what he means to this team, and that even when he's shooting poorly, he still is integral to this team succeeding. And we saw that yesterday.
1: Yeah, triple double. He, he he was plus thirty six with a triple single. Yep, nine, seven, and eight. Right. I mean, just absolutely fantastic. You look at the plus minus, and you talked about Derek White. O of eight from the field, Brandon. I, I mentioned that Tatum was eight of eighteen, and that's far and away the best of the starters. Hor- Horford, oh of five. Holiday, 2 of 11. White, I just mentioned, 0 of 8. And Jalen Brown, 3 of 13. Like I said, those guys couldn't get anything going. And believe me, they were trying. It was not for lack of trying. The Clippers just had them locked down. They they, They had the clamps, Futurama style. They brought out the clamps. And they just totally, totally shut Boston down. And it's just this it's it's momentum building it's it's a snowball it's 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 rolling downhill and now it's really getting fast because like i said that and like you said plus 36 for harden with a 111 that good defense just leads to great offense and it just it just makes everybody happy i mean Kawhi at the half had a at a three point heave it was it it looked like and they just played toronto but it looked like the shot over and beat almost but it didn't bounce in but it looks similar, and, and he was smiling. And uh, I'll mention my guy Scalabrini one more time. and you know, that's the first time I've seen uh, Kawhi smile on a basketball court. Now, that's not true
0: because
1: he's been smiling a lot more recently than we're used to, and for good reason because these Clippers are rolling, and they're, we, we're feeling it, and we know they're feeling it. So uh, it is it is awesome in that. And keep up the great defense. Cannot I cannot wait until Zoo comes back and gets back into the full because w- when f- – just at full strength, boy. I mean, this team is a they're they're a handful now. And just wait till Zoo comes back, guys. It's it's going to be
0: great. Yeah, and you look at the starting lineup and what they did against Toronto and Boston. And courtesy of our friend Justin Russo, fly by night on Twitter, Harden, PG, Man, Kawhi, Mason, a combined plus forty nine in thirty five minutes, is what they did the last the two nights against Boston and Toronto. Plus forty nine in thirty five minutes. So this starting lineup clearly is succeeding and it's kind of crazy because first off Plumley comes back they don't want to mess up a good thing so they keep Tyson there because Tyson's done a good job then now Zoo leaves Mason Plumley has come in as the starter and Tyson is succeeding off the bench just like he was prior and Plumley is fitting just like a glove in this starting lineup and we mentioned that his offense is probably a little bit better in terms of the way he passes and connects but the defense might be a problem but his defense was pretty good in that game um, against Boston. And to hold Boston under 100 points really is an incredible feat. So this starting lineup is stepping up when it needs to. And it, it's one thing to to think it might happen and to know that they've got the guys to make it happen, but to actually see it is unbelievable. And they last night they finished with an offensive rating just under 112, a defensive rating under 100 at 96. So to have a defensive rating of 96 – Man, that's unbelievable, and I couldn't be prouder of this team. To, to win a game like this on the back-to-back, it's a schedule loss. I mean, I never expected to win this game. The Clippers initially were a 7.5-point underdog. Once Porzingis was declared out, it went down to 6.5. But to win it as a 6.5-point dog in Boston against a team that only lost once all year, and that one game was very, very close, says a lot about where this team can go.
1: And, you know, a funny thing is we haven't even mentioned, not once, I don't believe, mentioned Norm quite yet. He yeah. barely did anything, and the Clippers still had this huge victory. So that is, just goes to show. It's just another more evidence of how deep and how not not every night everybody's going to step up because Norm will certainly have his games. He didn't need to in this game. He only played 17 minutes, and it just goes to show how how great this Clippers uh, rotation has been and continues to be that that Powell didn't re- even really have to do anything well, in this game.
0: How often do we talk about where one star is not doing well, and so you look at the bench guys and you see, oh, well, Norm did well, or Russell Westbrook did well. So that's why Norm yesterday didn't shoot well at all. He was two of seven. Westbrook, two of nine. Westbrook was very good defensively, but he was two of nine, and it's unbelievable because Harden was two of eleven. So you say, how the hell do you beat Boston? with Harden shooting two of 11, and your main two guys off the bench, and Russ and Norm not doing well. Well, it's because T-Man stepped up again, May stepped up, Kawhi was incredible, PG was solid, Daniel Tice was good, Coffee was good. Like It continues to be a theme with this, with this team where you may think a couple of certain guys are going to step up when others are struggling, and that really does happen. It's just not the certain guys each time that you expect to step up. Sometimes it is. But nonetheless, when someone has a bad game, someone else is picking up the slack. And that's incredible for a team and their aspirations to win a title that you are stepping up when someone is performing poorly. And for everyone to be picking up for each other is something that we did not see in the last couple of years. When someone was doing poorly, it really seemed to go just go down the line and feed off to everybody else. And that hasn't been the case this year.
1: Yeah, it's the guys are just picking each other up. I mean, this this seems to be the truest team in every sense of the word that we've had in several years, probably since I would say since the 213 era, to be honest with you. This seems like the tightest unit, the most cohesive, uh, the they just they enjoy playing with each other. And like you said, they play for each other. And uh, it really, really stands out in games like this. Is there anything that you wanted to touch? Uh, Because I know we have a little recency bias and it's just awesome to beat down the Celtics at home like that. Is there anything in the Raptors game we wanted to touch on or is it just a game you're supposed to win? Clippers went in there like a team, handled business.
0: Move on. No, there actually is. And I'm glad you uh, segued us there because... I just mentioned Russell Westbrook, and I, I wanted to mention him again because in that game against the Celtics, he didn't do a whole lot. But against the Raptors, man, he was absolutely incredible. And for him to go 25 and three 20 points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks, zero turnovers in his 26 minutes once again, we saw the small ball, and we continue to see Russell Westbrook do well. We talked about Harden earlier, and this is courtesy of our friend Law again, Law Murray at, the, at Law Murray, the NU on the Twitter machine slash X Harden and Russell Westbrook in the back-to-back in Toronto and in Boston, 28 assists combined in two games. How many turnovers do you think they had Matt between the two of them in two games?
1: Oh my gosh. If I had
0: to, I had to be like seven to 10, three turnovers. Holy smokes. Three turnovers as Russell Westbrook had zero against Toronto James Harden had 1 against Toronto, Russell Westbrook had 1 against Boston, Harden had 1 against Boston. Unbelievable to see your two main point guards get one turnover or less in consecutive ball games on the road in a back to back. So, Russ, again, hats off to you and go, goes back to what you were just saying that this team is clearly on the same page. You know what we're probably not going to see after this season? An article from Law Murray in the Athletics saying how there was dysfunction behind the scenes with this team. I mean, the only thing that could possibly tear this team down would be P.J. Tucker and how he was benched. But it seems like, despite the, I don't know what you want to call it, when he came out and talked to, what was it, Chris Haynes or somebody and said that he wants more playing time, apart from that, it seems like there's really no bad apples in this locker room. And Harden, Ross... Kawhi, PG, all seem to be getting along. Listen, winning cures a lot. If they were to start losing a couple of games, maybe we might see some negativity. But that has not been the case. We didn't see it when the Clippers lost a couple games in a row. Just recently, when they lost to Minnesota, they lost to the Lakers. We didn't see anything. When they lost back-to-back against OKC in Boston, we didn't see anything. You know what happened after they lost against OKC in Boston? They went off and rattled five wins in a row. When they lost against the Lakers, they won three in a row. The loss against Minnesota, they've lost five I mean, they've they've won five in a row. Th- this team continues to respond after a loss. And so, yes, Russell Westbrook, man, he is a guy that was labeled as a possible cancer. He was gonna shoot you out of games, but he was unbelievable in that Toronto game. And for him to handle the point guard position and play as that fifth guy in the closing lineup, hats off again, go to you, Mr. Westbrook.
1: Yeah, and as you know, this this podcast is a vampire free zone. We love we love Russ, even though we had, like, like many people had misgivings uh, when he first came over to the team. But you talk about um, the 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 team bouncing back and and, and just being a cohesive and a, a unit that likes playing for each other. And you know, you and I have been very critical over the years at times. But I think we have to, in that same statement, mention Tai Lu and keeping this team focused, knowing what the what the goal is, uh, the ultimate goal, and really being a man of his of his words by taking this regular season very seriously you know we we said um at the end of last season lawrence frank and and tyloo both said you know we need we need to take the, the regular season more seriously and both of you and i said okay i mean that sounds good but those are just words we need to see that put into action and lo and behold tyloo is doing that this season I don't know that he'll win, but I'm sure he has a case. We talk about awards quite a bit this episode, but I'm sure he has a case for Coach of the Year, especially if the Clippers can climb into that first spot. I mean, forget about it. So, Ty Lue, uh deserves a lot of credit this season. You know, critical as as we may have been in the past, uh, and maybe in the future too. I'm sure. I'm sure there will be some things we disagree with, but Ty Lue certainly deserves uh, a lot of credit for what's going on with this team, integrating Harden. You know, give me ten games, the whole deal, and now just firing on all cylinders it's it's awesome and i I think he's done just a fantastic job with these guys keeping them motivated keeping them happy uh implementing defensive schemes that obviously work and just the the whole thing is is moving moving great and tyler is a huge part of that of course no doubt
0: and we've come on this podcast and certainly i have and i've been critical of his rotations and i have uh been uncertain about whether he is I think a couple of times after some really bad stretches, but uncertain if this is something that he wants to do. And then all of a sudden we found out last year he was dealing with some family matters. So last year made a lot more sense in terms of why certain things happen. And then this year, there were a couple of questions early on. Um, after the Harden trade happened and no changes were being made. But then he's answered everything since then, man. He really has answered every question we've had about rotations and getting the locker room together, and he's done all of that. And he's been absolutely spectacular, and he is right up there for Coach of the Year, what he has done with this team. And you could say, hey, how could he be Coach of the Year when you've got four future Hall of Famers? And it's getting everyone to buy in and to play as well as they have. And to switch a guy like Bill Simmons' mind, it takes a lot. And uh, they have certainly done just that with uh, his coaching staff. So, yeah, he's been unbelievable. And, I mean, listen, Harden against Toronto at a triple-double. 22 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists, 8 of 14 from the field. And Russell Westbrook was 7 of 14 with 20 points. I mean, I don't think – Many in the national media, as we started the podcast talking about, expected the two of them to have a game where they combined 15 of 28 from the fields and the Clippers beat Toronto by 20 in Toronto and then respond the next night by being the Celtics. So, yeah, Ty has been remarkable.
1: You know, you mentioned uh, he was going through some family matters. Last year on the front page of my Roku was a Family Matters Christmas. I know that I don't know why they're promoting Christmas movies at this time, but I was really hoping it was going to be a reprisal of uh, Reginald Bell Johnson as Carl Winslow. Turns out it wasn't that Family Matters, it just had the name in the title. So I was a little disappointed about
0: that. Oh man, that that was a good show, man. I really liked Steve Urkel. You're always rooting for oh. that guy. Oh, I, uh, yeah, uh, Steve Urkel, uh, Julia White
1: used to, um, basketball at the Westwood Recreation Center when I uh, worked there for a brief period of time.
0: No kidding, was any good?
1: Oh yeah, he could ball but the thing is, if you played Steve Urkel, like, it, it, it took a lot of guts to get on that basketball court because you can imagine the trash talk that was coming his way just up and down the court. Did I do that? Uh, got any got any cheese you know all that all this kind of stuff but he could ball he actually is a very skilled basketball player
0: well listen i did not expect to talk about steve urkel on this podcast but it it fit in wonderfully so well good job by you matt matt when people comment and they review and they say that matt brings some levity to this podcast and he's got his humor there's an example right there so continue to rate and review the podcast and give us that five star rating and let us know why matt matt continues to be Incredibly funny. By the way, with Westbrook, that performance of 20 points and 7-14 of from the field with zero turnovers, courtesy of our friend Lamarie again. First time he's reached 20 points without a turnover, shooting 50% or better as a Clipper. Seventh time in his career total. Sh- shows you how rare it is and how great he was. So, again, just tremendous for, for both games the Clippers played um, against Toronto and against Boston. And now we look forward, and it's five more games in this road trip at Cleveland tomorrow at Washington Wednesday, at Detroit on Friday, then at Miami on uh, Sunday, and then at Atlanta on Monday. And now all of a sudden, I think we go from 5-2 and two to maybe they can pull off a 6-1 and one road trip. I'll still be happy with 5-2. and two. I still will be because you never know when you have those weird losses um, and that Boston win certainly gives you a little more cushion on this road trip. But listen, you look at other teams and – the clippers have a chance to sneak up to that one spot man it's it's not easy but they all of a sudden have a chance to sneak up there because you look at the standings and the clippers you mentioned are sitting as that three seed and they're behind minnesota and okc okc plays detroit today so that'll be a win no doubt about that since they're out the pistons but after that they got to play minnesota on monday and denver on wednesday so another massive thunder t wolves game on monday tomorrow Um, And that's the second game of back-to-back, obviously. And then Wednesday against Denver. So the Clippers could find themselves, if they win a couple of games here on this road trip, in first place, if they can pull off two wins in a row. So we'll see how that goes. But that's what lies ahead.
1: And this is going to be an an exercise. You you mentioned the Pistons. This is going to be an exercise in no gimmies, right? Don't overlook the opponent, because we know that the Cavs are going to be a tough matchup tomorrow. There's no doubt about that. But then you got the Wizards and the Pistons are the next two, and I would... Caution the Clippers and caution uh, sports. Youth, those Clipper Nation just don't overlook those games and and you know say okay. And then on the fourth we have the Heat. Still got to play on January thirty first. Still got to play on February the second. I know it's the Wizards and the Pistons. Just you know we don't we don't want a huge goldfish yelling out it's a trap and all of a sudden they beat us. Just just don't want that to happen. Um, I think six and one is definitely in in our sights. That back to back February fourth and fifth. I, I know it to don't look ahead but now i am mm-hmm. that's going to be a really difficult task with miami and atlanta but gotta take care of the calves first and then like i said wizards and pistons just just don't uh, overlook those games as if it's an automatic
0: win if you beat cleveland tomorrow i think all of a sudden you have to assume that six and one is probably the worst that you want to see coming out of this road trip and that's great. I mean, to to have it change like that. How many times have we come on this podcast and said, all right, hey, there are 10 games coming. Let's hope you go seven and three. And then all of a sudden we got to change it to six and four. Oh man, they ended up going five and five. If we can go the other way and we could say, hey, you beat Cleveland. And then all of a sudden, mm, well, we look, we could look at six and one. And maybe if you win that back to back, you're seven and oh. That's great, and to go 6-1 and would be unbelievable, but I'll still take 5-2. and two. tomorrow. Is going to be a tough game. Donovan Mitchell has been playing out of his goddamn mind recently, and so has Jared Allen, like you said. It's weird because when we saw the injuries to Evan Mobley and to Darius Garland, all of a sudden you expected them to just completely fall apart, but they've been better since those two guys went out of the lineup. And Garland is day-to-day, so he may pop up tomorrow. Who knows? Uh, but either way, I think tomorrow, if you can win that game, you're in really good shape, but it's going to be a tough one. You you have to take Mitchell seriously, and I think we'll see more about the Clippers' defense. Wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, a guy like Terrence Mann on uh, Mitchell to start, and then if you're able to get Kawhi on him at some point, maybe PG. Then who knows? But I, I think tomorrow's a really pivotal game for this road trip.
1: Yeah, I think I, I I totally agree. I think I think Mitchell will get multiple looks. Uh, probably like you said, starting with T Man, but not I would not be surprised at all. Especially if he's cooking, if he just he gets doses of Kawhi, he gets doses of PG, you know, the whole thing. And that's, but that's a really good point about um, the Clippers' defensive uh, malleability and their uh, ability to rotate. Because if you switch any one of those guys, you're still in trouble. Man, PG, Kawhi. I, I mean, I have a sneaking suspicion. Perhaps Jared Allen will come out. They'll try to get Plumlee or Tice, whoever's on the floor, onto Mitchell so that he can cook
0: them. But it'll 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 be wild to see tonight. I am very much looking forward to that game. So what's coming up for us? Um, We will most likely have a podcast on Wednesday evening. Um, It'll either be me and Matt or me and somebody else because Matt and I didn't talk before this, but yeah, I'm probably going to try and record Wednesday night because I am off to Hawaii this weekend um, for some women's hoops. So we will not be able to record on Thursday since I have a game on Thursday and then head to Hawaii this weekend. Um, So no podcast Sunday night because I won't be home in time. So basically looking at the schedule, Ideally, we get a podcast to you Wednesday night to talk, chat about Cleveland and Washington. And then we'll get another podcast uh, to you Monday evening after the Detroit, Miami, and Atlanta games. So we'll see how things go on that end. But that's what you have to look forward to if all things go to plan. Uh, Five star rating. Review the podcast wherever you do listen to the podcast. We always do appreciate it. Spread the word, retweet, um, share, tell your friends, whatever it might be. We're continuing to grow. We're with the Believe Network. We're glad to be partnered with them. And it's been awesome. And the Clippers are playing well, which means recording this podcast is even more fun. And to beat a team like Boston is awesome. And it gives all of us some optimism going forward. Um, anything else you got, Matt?
1: Uh, just if you're, if, Brandon, if you're in the neighborhood before you take off, I got a ukulele with your name on it.
0: A ukulele. Oh, baby, let's go. We, we have met, somehow managed to get family matters and ukuleles into this podcast. And that is where we will note. So until next time, he's Matt. I'm Brandon. Go Clips. Go Clips.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile